Bible says that God created the heavens and the earth. But between earth and heaven was a remnant that the Bible says there was also an adversary known as the prince of the power of air. And what we have to realize many times is our battle is not eye level. It's above us. The Bible says that Daniel was fasting and praying for 21 days and there was a wrestling with the prince of Persia above his head. And as we were in worship tonight, literally what I saw, I saw the people of God in this church oh, shooting arrows of praise and prayer into the skies. And as they were going, they were hitting almost like a, a barrier, a balloon, but they kept, kept pushing, kept slinging, kept advancing, kept shouting, kept praising, kept praying, kept declaring, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And as they did, I watched as the heavens began to shake, and all of a sudden, that remnant that was between earth and heaven was rent open, and there was an opening of heaven, and I believe, literally, uh, there, there's a drip and a dew of heaven in this room right now tonight, and what it is, it's been penetrated and permeated by your prayer and your praise. As we lift him up, as we exalt him above everything and anything, it, it, Every enemy's got to come down. Every knee bows. Every knee bows. Every knee bows. I saw in the spirit tonight that it, as we were worshiping, it was as though the people of God were contending for the move of God. I saw people that were hungry for an open heaven in Sumter. Hallelujah. I saw people that were dissatisfied with the resistance and the restriction that the enemy has placed over an area. And they just kept praising. They kept praying. They didn't stop. They didn't quit. They didn't back up. But shot after shot after shot weakened the covering of the enemy. And there was a renting in the heavens. There was an exposing of the glory of God. And the dew of heaven began to fall in this place. Hallelujah. As the praise and the prayers go up, everything the enemy is wrestling and contending for, it is rent. It is ripped. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every area of his dominion is overthrown by the kingdom of our God. Hallelujah. 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 Father, we just say the praise is yours. The glory is yours. The honor is yours. Hallelujah. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in this room as it is in heaven, Lord. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in this room as it is in heaven, Lord. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in every life that is in this room, Lord. As it is in heaven, Lord, as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. In Sumter as it is in heaven, Lord. You really do love us, Lord. You really are for us. And if God be for us, who or what can be against us? They can come at us in one way, but they will flee in seven Great is the anointed of the Lord. Hallelujah. Great is the God who sits high and looks low, whose earth is the footstool, who stands in all of his majesty. As Isaiah said, woe is me, for I am unclean. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Who can compare? There is none like you, Lord. Who can compare? There is none like you. Hallelujah.
great and greatly to be praised. Sing it, sing it, sing it, sing it. Yeah, we're open, Lord. We're open. We're open in this room tonight, Lord. Oh, Jesus. what you need to be reminded of is that his eye is on you. The Bible says if his eye is on the sparrow, if he knows every bird that falls, and he's numbered the hairs of your head, Sometimes you just need to be reminded that he sees you, that he knows you, and he's for you. The God of angel armies, he is for you. (laughs) The one who stood before nothing spoke and it was hallelujah how much more can he do with your life 
Aleluya. Father, we thank you for what we feel in this room tonight. God, the radiancy of hope that is exploding in this room. (laughs) The weight of glory that is revealing in this room. Jesus. (laughs) Jesus. God's word, Philippians chapter 4. Been in a series the last couple weeks, and tonight we will close it. We've been talking about rewiring and how God's plan is to rewire 
our minds through his word. The first week we talked about the idea of everything in our life moves head first. When babies are born, they're born head first. It's an understanding that the thoughts of your head lead to the actions of your life. And if we can ever get our head under control and renewed by the Word of God, that as our mind goes, so goes our life. And the greatest battle you face is the battle between your ears. Spiritual battles are won and lost between your ears. The second week, last week, we talked about conquering by confession, understanding the power of life and death in our tongue, and knowing that what comes out of our mouth is a representation of what is in our mind, and we are speaking either victory or defeat. But tonight I want to talk to you in the culmination of these messages, everything tied up in this idea. You ready? I want you to look at your neighbor and say, get ready. You're about to be brainwashed. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, somebody. Say it with urgency. You're about to be brainwashed. Amen. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, somebody say every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God in the peace of God which transcends all understanding. Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Ready? Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if there is anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for your presence. We've already felt, God, for surely you're in this place. Word of God, speak. Fall down like rain, washing our minds and causing our eyes to see. Father, we thank you for what you've already done. But we thank you for the revelation of your word that's coming alive in every heart and mind right now. Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated all over the house. Tonight, as we close out part three of our Rewired series, I want to talk about brainwashing because the reality of it is, is we talk about brainwashing like it's a bad thing. But the truth is, is a lot of our heads could use a good scrubbing. Come on, somebody. I said a lot of our heads could use a good scrubbing. And we find in Philippians 4 that the Apostle Paul, speaking to the church at Philippi, begins to admonish them in the idea of think about what you think about. I want you to think about that for a second. Think about what you think about. Think about what you think about. Because he said, you got to think about what you think about. Because if you don't, your mind will run rampant. And if your mind runs rampant, then every area of your life will be in total chaos. But what we understand is the Word of God becomes the boundary, the identifier. It becomes the lines in which, which our thought patterns flow. That, that when our mind is renewed by the Word of God, all of a sudden we can take captive every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And I've been preaching and teaching on this for the last couple of weeks because truth be told, in the church, we act like mental health is not an issue. And I, I've shared my heart that what we've done is we fix the hearts of people. We fix the eternities of people through the gospel of salvation through Jesus Christ. But we have warriors that are fixed in their heart but broken in their minds. 
I'll never forget the story of a great preacher that I heard that he was preaching and and what happened is they were over in Afghanistan and while they were there in a foxhole, the the Afghans were coming in and they were about to be overtaken and they were hunkered down in a foxhole and and all of a sudden, one soldier started crying for his mama. He started weeping and shaking and and, and, and the the soldier that was there was new. This was his first time in deployment And, and the commander that, that was there, their sergeant that was with him in the hall, looked at him and he said, son, leave him alone. He's a broken soldier. Come on, somebody. We've got too many broken soldiers in the church. What we've done is we sent them out to battle, but they're already defeated in their minds. <coughs> so what we have to understand is there is a change that has to happen in our thinking. Can I tell you something that Jesus did not say, let your hearts be troubled. When the angels appeared on on the Messiah's birth, they didn't say glory to God in the highest, stress and anxiety on earth. Paul didn't say be anxious about everything. But if the reality be told, that is the society and the culture that we live in. My seven-year-old boy looked at me the other night and sitting in the seat after we just got out of a church service on a Wednesday night, he looked at me, he said, Daddy, I'm stressed. I said, son, what are you stressed about? He said, because Harper keeps going in the refrigerator and drinking all my drinks. I said, son, if that's stress, wait till you get to be my age. Is there a witness in the house tonight? That, oh, don't, don't you wish that the only thing you had to worry about is who's drinking your drinks out of the refrigerator? He said, I'm stressed, daddy. <laughs> But our culture, our society is living in high stress. Come on, somebody, let's talk about it. You go into Walmart, the girl that's there, she's miserable many times. She's angry. She's upset. She's stressed. And what you don't know is beyond the curtain of her life is four children. And she's a single mom. And she's working five jobs to try to make payment on a rent that's two months behind. And and, and all of a sudden, you know, something goes wrong and people snap and people are upset. Where is the church any different? Come on, somebody. We've been called to be light in the midst of darkness. People should see our joy and want it. But we got too many believers that walk around looking like they sucked on lemons. Come on, somebody. We got to have something different. They got to see something in us and say, man, I want what you got. No wonder nobody wants our Jesus. He looks miserable. He looks stressed. He looks anxious. Come on. He looks no different than people that try to go to bars and fix their problems. He looks no different than the men that show up in the house of prostitutes trying to fix their problems because what we've done is we've lived a life that said we believed in him, but we don't take him at his word. Never once are we encouraged to worry. Never once are we encouraged to stress or fear anything. Matter of fact, never once are we even encouraged to to amplify anything negative in the Bible. Never once does it, does it talk about, you know, the negativeness of life and how, it's, how, 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 how we should build our lives around it. But let me be honest with you. I believe negative is a good thing. Hear me. I believe negative is a good thing. Watch this. A couple months ago, my battery was dead in my truck. And I've got a newer truck, and it's one of those ones that, for some reason, they don't just have battery terminals anymore. Y'all remember back in, like, the 1980s Chevys, where you just hook it to the battery terminal, jump it off, and you go on your way. Well, my truck, you got to, like, hook one cord here, and you got to crawl up underneath the other part of the truck and hook another cord. It's nothing simple. So anyways, what I did is I took, and my battery was dead, I was going to jump it off. So I took the jumper cable, and I put it on the positive post. But then the negative post, you couldn't see it. There's no negative post there. And see, I couldn't, so I just stuck it to any old thing. And when I was trying to jump my truck off, it wouldn't jump off. And see, what I had to do is I had to go in my owner's manual, and I had to find the proper place to connect the negative. And when I found the proper place to connect the negative, all of a sudden, when I had it hooked to the power, and I had it hooked to the proper place of the negative, there was a transition of power from the vehicle I was jumping off into mine. And watch this, my truck started. What am I telling you tonight? What am I telling you? The negative is... Is what keeps us grounded. 
The reason why we need negative in our life is because without negative stuff, we would all just, we would all just think everything's just great all the time. But God said, don't, don't, don't count it strange when you face different trials. Don't count it strange when life gets hard because in that hardness, he's going to keep you grounded. When negativeness shows up, it's going to produce a power in you that you wouldn't have had. When the negative shows up, God said, I'm going to show you how I can work through it. And so what you'll find out is that we're never exhorted to meditate on. We're never exhorted to to lift up the negative. But I truly believe God will use the negative in your life. Here's the thing. We got to learn how to connect to it. Did you catch what I said? We have to learn. I didn't say that you got to learn how to, how to even use it. You just got to learn how to connect to it. In other words, you got to put it in its right place. And you got to watch this. You got you to be the one in control. When bad things come in your life, you got to learn how to understand Romans 8 and 28. God's going to work it all together for your good. See, we need negative and positive in our life. But we cannot allow the negative to discharge us. Instead, we need to allow it to mix with the positive and take it captive to create the power in our life. But the truth of it is, though, is we are told not to worry about anything, but we worry all the time. Some of you just heard that rain hit the roof. Matter of fact, let me tell me, I just heard the rain hit the roof and I said, are the flags still out there? I'm worried. Come on. Some of y'all sitting here, oh my gosh, is my windows down? It was 196 degrees pulling up here tonight. Did I have the windows down? I'm sorry, 193. Anyways, the truth is, is we worry so much. And I'm talking about worry, and y'all are worrying that you worry too much. See? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk to you tonight. See, the truth is, though, is we worry all the time. We worry about, you know, can't keeping up. And then we, then we worry about being tired all the time. We worry about a headache. And all of a sudden we get a headache and we're like, oh my gosh, do I got brain cancer? Come on, somebody. Let me go in your head tonight. You know, we, we, we worry when we're in school. We worry about grades. And then, and then our grades got to be right so we can go to the right college. And we got to go to the right college so we can get the right job. And then we worry about out of that right job, we'll be able to have the perfect spouse and start a family. And then we worry about the bills that are going to come. And then the truth is, is we worry about our kids. They're going to go to school. And when they go to school, they're going to learn about drugs. They're going to learn about sex. They're going to learn about all these things. And all of a sudden, we worry about who's around our kids. We worry about shooting. We worry about STDs. We worry about all this stuff and junk going in. And then all of a sudden, we, we get in our heads and we're like, oh my gosh, I'm not good enough. I'm not a good enough provider. I, I, I mean, did I marry the right person? Oh my gosh, if I married the wrong person or if you married the wrong person, that means we all married the wrong people and we're all, oh my gosh. And the truth is, I just took you in 90% of the people's heads that are in this room right now. Be anxious about. Nothing. Don't worry about anything. Some of us have lost family members. And what's so amazing is we care more about their salvation than they do. And it keeps us up at night. And Paul is telling the church at Philippi, quit worrying about it. Why? 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 Because your worry, your worry is generating something. I want you to understand something that Job in his worry said these words. He said, the thing which I feared most has come upon me. What happens if worry and anxiety works like faith? It does. What you focus on, you will feel. What you focus on, you will feel. If you focus on faith, if you focus on goodness, if you focus on positivity, if you focus on things that are true, you will feel those things. But if you focus on what's negative, if you focus on what's divided, if you focus on what's hurt, if you focus, I literally believe some people get sick because they're worried about getting sick. That ain't popular preaching, but my God, I can prove it to you scripturally. Job said, the very thing I feared most has come upon me. You know why? Because I wondered how much Job worried about it. 
I got all these houses. I got all these beautiful kids. I got all these cattle. I got all this stuff. What happens if God takes it from me? What happens if I lose it? Oh my gosh, what happens if I lose my kids? What happens if, you know, I go from waxing my steps to laying in a bed with boils? What happens if, if all my friends leave me? What happens? What happens? And Job began to focus himself on everything that was wrong, everything that was negative, everything that was a bad report, everything that was a lie, and the very thing he worried about came true in his life. Because worry will go to work for you. Worry will activate the lies of the enemy, just like faith will activate the truth of God's word. But see, what you have to do is you have to realize what is in control of your mind. What has the ability to speak in your mind? Because your life will always move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. I want to go back into Philippians 4 and 6, and I want to break this down, where it says, do not be anxious about anything. Anything. But in every situation, every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. Watch this. Watch this. You ready? It's a recipe. It's a recipe for peace. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. It's a recipe. He said, if you take this ingredient and this ingredient, be anxious for nothing. But by prayer, pour the prayer on, and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Watch this. You cannot be anxious about anything, but you're to pray about everything. You cannot be anxious about anything, but you are called to pray about everything. What if our worry became the generator to produce our power to pray? What if when we were worrying, all of a sudden we said, okay, God, that's my alarm clock. It's time to pray about this situation. I can't worry about my finances. I'm going to pray about my finances. I can't worry over my lost loved one. I'm going to pray that they come to know Jesus. I can't worry about my health. I got to pray and say, God, I thank you that by your stripes I am healed. We got to spend time in prayer. But the church spends so much time in worry, pouting, complaining, griping. Anxiety. The truth is, is we look at prayer like it's a last resort. After we feel like the situation is all screwed up and there's nothing more that we can do, all we'll do then is, well, I guess I'll pray. We look at it like it's a last ditch effort, but watch this. Prayer is not a last ditch effort, but it is a first line of defense. When problems come into your life, when struggles come into your life, when anxiety comes into your life, prayer is not the last thing you do. The Bible said, but by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request be known to God and the peace of God which surpasses, which transcends all that, which trumps, which overcomes, overthrows, demolishes every struggle. That peace of God will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And what we have to understand is it is only by prayer and supplication. But watch this with thanksgiving. Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. I want to break that down for you. Prayer. The Bible talks about prayer. In Genesis it says, and men began to call on God everywhere. That is the first reference of prayer in Genesis. And it's an understanding that it's there that men began to call on God. So what is prayer? Prayer is when we call on God. But by prayer and supplication. Supplication is more of a courtroom term. It's almost like that of a petitioning. It's almost like that of a summonsing. Uh, a prayer and supplication. Supplication is like what a mama bird does with food. She goes out and grabs the food and then she chews it and she regurgitates it into the mouth of her babies. What does she do? It's a, it's a process of regurgitation. It's a process of breaking it down. But what, what the Bible says is by prayer and supplication, by, by prayer and breaking down. Some of you got to take that thing. You got to meditate on it. You got to take the word and go to war over it. You got to allow it to come in your mind and come out your mouth and then allow it to come back in your mouth and out your mouth. You got to speak these things, decree the, 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 the Bible over it. But then watch, this is the amazing part, with thanksgiving. Why? Because you can't pout and be thankful at the same time. You cannot complain and praise at the same time. You can't say, God, I thank you, but I'm miserable. 
The two won't make sense. It's the understanding that God will take with your thanksgiving. It's true. What would happen if you started thanking him in advance for things? That's faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, but without faith, it's impossible to please God, that we must come to him and believe that he is who he says he is, and he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So we have to understand that when thanksgiving comes, we're not saying that we have the answer, but we're believing God for the right answer. We're thanking him in advance. Prayer is Powerful. The Bible declares that it's through prayer that we come boldly to the throne of grace. Not only does prayer move the heart of God, but prayer changes chemistry in your brain. Did you know that? Uh, uh, you can go Google this. I'm telling you, Google's like one of the most anointed uh, um, theologians of this day for this generation. Go ask Dr. Google if prayer changes the chemistry in your brain. Dr. Carolyn Leaf, who wrote a book called uh, How to Switch on Your Brain, said this in the excerpt of her book. said, it has been found that 12 minutes of daily prayer, focused, focused prayer, 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. Prayer. Prayer. When you pray, what happens is God allows even your prayer to change the way you think. When we are faced with situations and all we do is complain, watch this, complaining is the same. Complaining is to the devil what prayer is to God. Some of y'all got a prayer language, you just praying to the wrong one. Oh, that's, yeah, come on. Did you catch that? Complaining is to the devil what prayer is to God. You're communicating, you're exhorting, you're believing, you're coming into agreement with. Come on, somebody. When we complain, we're coming into the agreement with the enemy. But when we pray with supplication and thanksgiving, make our requests be known to God, the peace of God will guard our hearts and our minds. Why do we worry? Paul tells us in Romans, because our minds are dominated by sinful thinking. That's why you worry. Romans 8 and 5 says this, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. There's that word again, peace. The very thing that our world seems to be missing. But I truly believe the reason why we're absent of peace is because the church is not in control of her thinking. We have to get our thoughts taken captive because worry is the sin of distrusting the promises and the power of God. Can I tell you something? Worry is a sin. You know, we look at sin like lying, stealing, killing, cheating. But sin, sin. It's found even in worry because worry, what that says is, God, I don't trust you. God, my thoughts and my beliefs, my truth trumps yours. You know what happened to the last person? You know, they, Adam and Eve, when they ate of the tree of good and evil and they, and they partook of the tree in the garden, what we understand is this, that what they did didn't look like sin. Come on, somebody. But the reason why it was sin is because they disobeyed God. They didn't hearken to his voice. When we worry, we are disobeying what God said. When his word said, be anxious about nothing, don't worry about anything. What, when we worry and we consume ourselves with anxiety, when our head is totally out of control, we're sinning against God because we're saying, God, my thoughts are stronger than your words. It's the reason why our minds need to be washed the Bible says in Ephesians 5, husbands, wash your wives in the water of the word. We understand there that the word is a water. It's a living water, and out of their bellies shall flow rivers of living water. David said, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. What we understand is that when we begin to pray and we begin to give God thanks and we begin to take the word of God and we go to war with it, as Ephesians 6, 17 tells us, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, we demolish strongholds, we tear down every thought 
thought pattern that sets itself up against God. And what happens is all of a sudden, we no longer worry and we start warring and we war against every thought that's telling us every idea, every pretense, every, every thought pattern that ever tried to make us live by it before. But the mind that is in Christ all of a sudden comes in us and we begin to think like he thinks. We begin to speak like he speaks. We begin to believe like he believes. And all of a sudden, we start seeing what he saw. Oh, Jesus. Romans 12 and 2 says, But do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, watch this, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good pleasing, his good pleasing and perfect will. One translation says, do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds that you may be able to prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Watch this. I truly believe there's three wills. There's the good will. There's the acceptable will. But then there's the perfect will. And the measure of the will you walk in is the measure that you are willing to grasp hold of and let go of worry. I think that I can worry, and God says, that's acceptable. I'm working with you. You still got some stuff. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be on the acceptable path. We'll work with you. But then he says, okay, that's good right there. That's good. Yeah, that's good. But then I believe he says, that's perfect. You're walking like I walked. You're talking like I talked. You're thinking like I think. And I wonder how many believers have settled for an acceptable will of God in their life. How many have settled for a good will? How's life? Eh, it's good. It is good. But it could be perfect. And how is perfection brought about? Perfection brought about is only through the one that is perfect. When the Bible said, let this mind that was in Christ be in you. When we take on his thought pattern, we think like he thinks, all of a sudden we're in the perfect will of God. God. Isn't that where you want to live? You can't live in worry and the perfect will of God. You can't. The two are completely contrary. So do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, everyone say then. So the only way that we're not conformed, see if I were to take Play-Doh and I were to put it over this bottle, it would conform to this shape. But the Bible tells us we are not to be conformed to the world. Watch. The world is not supposed to form us, but we are transformers. How many of y'all know who Bumblebee is? Okay, my younger generation. I'm going to tell you, there's a movie, y'all. It's called Transformers. Really cool movie. There's this car, and it's a Camaro. It's black and yellow. And the name of that car is Bumblebee. And it looks like an SS Super Sport Camaro. But when the driver of that car needs his help, he transforms into this massive, transforming, evil-destroying transformer, right? Hold on. I'm going somewhere. So the Bible said in Romans, do not be conformed to this world. In other words, don't fit the pattern. But watch this. It said, but when there's a demand on your life, be transformed. All of a sudden now, Deuteronomy 28, that I'm blessed in the city, blessed in the field. I'm blessed laying down. I'm blessed standing up. All of a sudden, there's a power that is radiating through me. Greater is he that is in me than he who is in the world. Transformation. Transformation. I may look like an average, ordinary Joe, but when I walk into Walmart and there's somebody in a wheelchair and faith puts a demand on, on my faith, all of a sudden, what looks like an average Joe says, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And all of a sudden, the transform transforming power of Christ causes body to, to be lifted up and come out of that wheelchair. I believe that stuff, but it's all going to start right here. Stand with me all over the house. I want to close with this scripture. This is why our minds must be brainwashed. We have to scrub our minds with the word of God. I've I'm, I'm, I'm been really convicted lately, so much so I have, honestly, God, I haven't watched any TV, I don't know, in a long time. And I, I'm not coming for you if you watch TV shows and Netflix and all that stuff, that's fine. But I have watched so many people I know recently 
get hooked on series and get hooked on TV. And all of a sudden, I watch their actions change. I watch who they say with their mouth be different than what God said they would be. And what I'm watching is I'm watching a conforming of people that are conforming to the patterns of this world rather than being transformers. I'm I'm a firm believer in this, that what you put in will come out. Your life is like the well. You put water in, you get water out. You put mud in, you get mud out. What are you putting in? Don't you understand that the Bible paints a picture very clear? That you've got gates, eyes, ears, nose, mouth. Second Corinthians 10, 3 says, For we live in the world. We do not wage war as the world does. For the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world, but on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. What are strongholds? Thought patterns. They have divine power to demolish thought patterns. And we demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. When Jesus was in the wilderness and the enemy was trying to get in his mind, it's amazing to me that in Matthew chapter 3, there's this beautiful picture that Jesus is raised up out of the water, baptized of John, and the heavens are opened and a voice from heaven speaks. He says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then it says immediately he was drawn into the wilderness to be tempted and tried for 40 days. And it's amazing to me that the prophetic declaration over Jesus' life is, this is my beloved son. And over the next 40 days, everything that would be waged war over his life was, if you be the son of God. Prophetic promise will always be challenged. Anytime there's a word spoken over your life, it will be resisted. But watch this. Jesus goes to war, but he doesn't beat the devil up. My God, he could have. He could have been just downright throw an elbow, knock him out, boot him, throw him. Come on. He's the king of kings. Matter of fact, he didn't even have to put his hands on him. He could have just dried him up like a cockroach, stepped on him. But all he said was, it is written. John tells us that in the beginning was the word. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. The Word. The Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, divides the soul from the spirit, the bone from the marrow. It's not about reading your Bibles. It's about your Bible reading you. You gotta get the Word in you. You gotta confess the Word because you need the Word to wash this. Because everywhere you're going in your life, you're going there head first. Repent, change the way that you think. Allow the Word of God to come alive and active in your mind and demolish every stronghold, every thought pattern that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Every head bowed and every eye closed that's here tonight. Jesus, you're amazing. We felt you so deep, so strong, so radiant in this room tonight. Father, my prayer is that if there be anyone here under the sound of my voice that does not know you, that the word of Corinthian would come forward that now is the time, today is the day of salvation. Father, I pray for that person that on the outside they're dressed up, they look nice, they got a smile on their face, but in their mind it's a battlefield. Father, I pray tonight, God, that as they are waging war in their head, God, that you will set down in your kingdom and you will show them the power of your word combating, washing, and destroying every negative thought pattern out of their life. That as we confess with our mouth, believe in our heart, that you have raised Jesus from the grave, God, we shall be saved by faith 
by faith and faith alone. Every head bowed and every eye closed, you're in this room tonight. If you don't know Jesus as your own personal Lord and Savior, if you don't know.